Hi, I'm Cornell. I'm Glenroy. And I'm Kareem. And welcome to the Fish Tea Podcast, where three hair whipping, heel strutting Jamaican queens talk about LGBTQ politics, pop culture, growing up in the Caribbean, life in the diaspora, and the work it takes to sustain love, life, and laughter in the midst of all the white noise. We're giving you everything, honey. Get into this mug. We're serving you a hot cup of fish tea. Bottoms Bottom. up. Yes, ma'am. Hey, sir. Yes, honey. <laughs> yes. How are we doing? How are we doing? Oh, gosh. We're doing great, actually. I had a wonderful day. It's been trying. Sure. Listen. Okay, well, you know what? Tell us about this wonderful day that you've been having. Share the joy. So, um, when I was doing my, back when I was um, doing my program, um, I was asked randomly by my boss slash bestie to do this concept note for a big project proposal that we wanted to do. Um, so I did it. And when I came back in Jamaica for my brief visit, I had to do the full project proposal. So long story short, we got funding for three years for this project on economic, social, and cultural rights. It was confirmed today. I'm excited. It's a, it's a big wad of money that we can use to do something that we has not been focused on within the LGBT movement. So I am happy. I was a hot girl. I dressed up in my good heels today, and I carried my Bellatrix the Strange wand that I bought. Yeah, and I well definitely... done. <laughs> yeah, I feel really good about that. Um, so yeah. many things. Yes, uh, come on Thank now. You <laughs> oh. How about do you? that one? How about you, Cornell? How's dance classes? <laughs> Funny story, actually. I'm I'm dropping the contemporary dance class because it feels more like a chore than a recreational activity. Oh no! Um, no more plies and. Well, no, that's ballet. I'm still doing ballet. Oh. We got to for our costumes. Um, but... Sorry. I said, still going to be on my tippy toes. Oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. But no, I am. I'm leaving the other one. The past few days have been really strange for me. I'm having feelings about stuff, and I don't want to have feelings about stuff. Um, stuff are- men are the devil. Can I tell you? Men are the devil. Mm-mm. That is the truth. <laughs> that well, <laughs> yeah. Can't live with them. Can't live without them, child. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's this guy that. I want to do things with, and I am like adult things, like Indeed. pray, like pray. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> um, but circumstances are not permitting us to do the things, and it makes me really sad. Um, so that's happening in my life. So, <laughs> just for the people listening, a people man. <laughs> that is a problem. Exactly. Well, no, no, no. Yeah. Listen, I can talk about some experiences, but I will <laughs> But girl, what I will say is this there are many people in the celebrity world that did not give up just because someone was holding down what truly belonged to them. Sometimes you have to walk into your prosperity and I leave it there. Oh, okay. So I I had two well I guess I have two options. I can either respect someone's relationship or I can do the 
seemingly unethical thing and what kind of channel my bad bitch energy to, you know get what i want what it's un- not unethical see you're you're already you're already looking at this the wrong way exactly. according to black twitter right <laughs> chapter 24 verse 7 <laughs> <laughs> so, your soulmate might already be in a relationship. It's your responsibility to break that up. Oh, girl. You know what? I'm thinking of, for some reason, the lyrics to a Yannick song is coming to me right now. Is it a Yannick song or is it Shang? Which one? Yeah, for me, boy. Shang and Dai. Girl, no, no. There was something about. Hold on, I'm gonna find this. There was something about um, something about you know what? I can't even say the thing, so I'm gonna find the lyrics and get back to you. But in the but in the meanwhile, Karen, why don't you tell us what you've been up to? Oh my god, I have been. Um, this week was going to be probably one of like one of those iffy weeks. So maybe it'll be good, maybe it won't. But then, of course, in my practicing gratitude, I was able to be grateful for a lot of things, and. Um, so I was, we had a very successful event for um, the arts organization that I that I work with right now. So I'm grateful for that. But then today, um, after one of our meetings at school, the PhD director said, hey, I have some news for you guys. And she sat us down and um, a few of my um, PhD co- cohort members and I have been working on a proposal to kind of revi- revamp the culture and so on and so forth. But long story short, without getting into all of that, um, they've decided to kind of relax some of the standards and expectations in the program. So now, instead of having to graduate in five years, your girl might be out here being doctor, you know, the one, doctor, whoever, maybe in, um, by 2021. So what? that's oh. good. I'm gr- that's oh. enough for me to, like, go out, shake this, and throw something back in all of that. <laughs> you better do it, Tess. You better do right. it. Kareem Willis, PhD. Okay. Right. Into it. I can't come back to my morning. I'll put doctor before it. Doctor Batman. Doctor Fish. Doctor Fish. Yes. I can't. Also, I found the lyric. It's uh, Shen Sia song, Shen Yang Anthem. Oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. Who could I tell you? What? The resident okay. guest will just tell us say, as Shen Sia, yeah, listen to <laughs> Yes. Well, I mean, you know I don't do the, the dance off thing all that often. But basically, see, and forgive me for bastardizing. No, just the land. the land. You say it for the people there. My girl can't see me and cause problem. They're my man. They're my man clothes. Go up and them. Um, ah. She says, if me I take your man, me I keep that. Of course. Right. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what you should listen to in the spirit of Tennessee is nothing them not. <laughs> Ah, the spirit. Hold on. Let me, I want to make sure I'm taking my notes. Not What's the name of it? Them not have over me. A whole song where she says, if a girl of our man, me not care. If you take a girl man, me not no fear. Me, not, me will take it anytime, anywhere. Because nothing them not have over me. And we can move Amen. to the scripture of Aishana. <laughs> says, God loves the beautiful giver. Therefore, you must share your man. The prophet. Oh. <laughs> Preach. Last one, the gospel of space. Right. Whoa, whoa, come on now. Yes. Listen to her words in genie. I saw me go, well, no. What, what? Your man, I rub me like a genie. Somebody just opened wow. it to me. Your man, 
him love under me. Oh, wow. love under me. <laughs> Can I get a wow? <laughs> <laughs> so let us be clear. There are many options. And if you're a City Girls fan, they have a whole song called Take Your Man, which is currently my ringtone. Girl. <laughs> what? Live your best. So interacted. Just Wait, one of my friends tell me today, no, my, my, my clutch it. My clutch it. So classy ratchet. <laughs> Ooh, Bougedo. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sophisty ratchet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Let's move on to today's topic. Cause I- yes. Right? <laughs> Let's do that. Okay, so today we are going to be talking about our experiences attending high school, specifically all boys school in Jamaica. Um, for those of you who haven't clued in at this point, um, we are all a bunch of homos. Surprise. Elite and so as homosexuals, according to Miss Javon. Oh, elite. I do, I do. I support that, yes. Um, but as you can imagine, being gay at an all boys school in Jamaica um, came with very particular uh, eventful experiences, yeah. uh, some of which we're going to be talking about today. Um, so we're going to be thinking about like how folks responded to our queerness or perceived queerness, our kind of uh, connection or lack thereof uh, to these communities and alumni associations um, after graduating and maybe thinking about some of the stuff that we would have wanted uh to have happened or wanted generally speaking uh back when we were 11 20 12 years old starting out in these khaki uniforms okay so gsat wait first of all did y'all even want to go to the school that you ended up as was that your was that one of your top choices yes it was my top choice actually so um and I guess the reason for me was because my uncle had gone to Kingston College and he had been on the quiz team and I and he had we was the captain of the quiz team and he didn't win and in in my young man I was like, Oh, I'm gonna go and win for my uncle. It was a whole family tradition thing. So I definitely wanted to go to Kingston College. It was my first choice and I think I had approached it from that I had that whole legacy of greatness thing and so actually even my brother, unbeknownst to me, had actually um put it as his first choice and he had he's now going to Kingston College as well. But yeah, it definitely was wow. where I wanted to go. So, okay, so you're, you were excited. You were about it. You were trying to get in, into that, you know, Kingston College action. No. All right. Was, so, so in my mind, it was like I was going there. There was no doubt. There were no other statements. There was no mm-hmm. um, possibilities that I was going anywhere. I was like, no, that's the school I'm going to. And when mom would joke, I said, you know, you could go to George's. I was like, nope. Mm-mm. That is where I'm going, and so said, so done. Wow. Okay. Uh, Kareem, were you trying to be about this Walmart situation? So it's funny. when I think when we were doing GSET, we had, what, five choices, right? Yeah. And out of five, um, Wilma's was listed as my third choice, right? But can you believe it? That on results day, that very nervous day in June, I found out I passed for the Wilmer's Boys High School. Amabal? <laughs> what? Right. Because for some reason, I don't know, like my mom had made the choice for me, but for some reason, 
I just thought I did not pass for a traditional high school and um, it was going to be um, hell for me. And then I found out, everybody was like, oh, no, 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 a good school, congratulations. No, 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 yeah, ball for big up. Come, come, no, stop it, stop it, stop it. Call my mother, my mother started crying. Um, but then I started, when my ball again, right? After I feel good, so I pass for this good, good school. My ball again, my friend says, the all boys school. Miss a lot, I eat this. Yeah. <laughs> I eat this for me. This is it. <laughs> I cried. I cried when I found out it was an all boys school. Um, and I think I cried for a lot of reasons. It wasn't yeah. just like my friends, but I'm sure we'll cover this today. It was the fact that it was going to be an all boys school. And I was just like, huh? Oh, hmm. Okay. Um, hmm. So before you answer, Cornel, I just want to clarify for the listeners who aren't necessarily from Caribbean, Jamaican experience, that we have, a, an, I call it an equitable gym, um, schooling system. So when you're in grade six, you take an, an exit exam. Um, it's called, it was called GSAT, the grade six achievement test in our time. Before it was called common entrance. Now when my brother is doing it, it's called the primary exit profile. And what that does is that it, it tests students as if they're ready for secondary school, but then they end up in either what we call the traditional schools, which are the ones that traditionally do well, have a lot of have active alumni associations, and they, their students transition are more likely to transition to tertiary education. And then you have the non-traditional schools um, that don't necessarily have that experience, have less resources, uh, don't necessarily have the kind of alumni support that will give them the boost to ensure that the students perform well in a particular kind of way. And I think it's important to acknowledge that all of us, having gone to traditional high schools, do come from that privileged position, even even in the context of what we're talking about, which is being at the margins, um, potentially being at the margins in those institutions, we were still in privileged institutions. Yeah. Yeah. So I, when I, Woolmage was my second choice and when I found out I was not having it whatsoever, I had a conversation with my father sometime afterwards because I was just like, so are we able to get like a transfer situation going or like what? Because I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be there. I mean, in, in the end, there are things that I am grateful for, but I was very opposed to attending uh Woolmer's. Um I'm assuming it, it might have been the the all the all boys thing, I guess, at the time. Uh and I'm not sure yeah, I guess it was because there was this maybe fear of how I would how I would do or, you know, whether or not I would survive being around so many um guys, but I was not I was not impressed at all. Wow. Not having Where did you yeah. want to go? I mean, Camden is my first choice. I see, I see. Uh, and actually, so in the valedictory speech that I did a few years later, I had made mention of the fact that at the time, I felt like a Campion College reject. And the, I mean, the, the point of the whole spiel of the the speech that I did was talking about what I loved or appreciated about Loomers at that point. I mean, despite my general ambivalence about... Um, Wilmer is now there was a moment in time where I felt like I was a part of a community part of something and but I mean that generally isn't 
my feeling or like my relationship to the to the institution really um they kind of soiled that really quickly but we'll get into that a little bit later on i guess uh, yeah so um how about we do like a kind of like general overview then of what our seven years were like at the you know at the different um schools uh what was your relationship like in terms of the friendships that you made um were you bullied uh did you have really positive experiences with other folk with other students or teachers there uh, yeah what you kind of like what are your memories of the your time there i guess should i start or should y'all go since y'all went to the same school oh no go for it i am really curious oh really um so i mean for me um my queerness never be, was never truly a factor while I was at Casey, and I think it's useful to start it there. Um, not that it didn't manifest, but that wasn't a key feature of how I experienced Kingston College. Um, well, definitely not for the first five or so years that I was there, and I was there for seven years. Um, so, in my first, in the first form, it was just you know get, getting the groove of things. I was that, you know, the, the, the really bright student from the school I came from because I went to a, a school in an inner city, you know, I came to Casey with a scholarship, you know, and then I kind of was, had to deal with that, the humbling experience of not excelling or being at the top of school in my first year, you know, but I did end mm -hmm. up in the quote unquote stream class in, from grade, um, in second form or grade eight. And that was my experience in that. I was in that same class with those same set of people from grade eight all the way to grade 11. And so... Our experience, my experience of Kingston College was my experience of the classroom with the people that I, I was with for four years. And because we were in a stream class for four years straight, there was not as much integration with the rest of the school. So what I experienced was more so um, the rest of people in my school year thinking that we thought we were better than them because we were, we were the stream mm. class and treating us accordingly. And I was more picked out as someone in the cartridge as opposed to somebody in, you know, somebody who was queer, that kind of thing. But I mean, in terms of what the experience was, Kingston College shaped me to be who I am today in fundamental ways. Sometimes not the best of ways, but fundamental ways. Because when you go to that school, and I imagine that's the experience of any boys' school, that there's a certain kind of strength that you have to have, a certain kind of um, sure footing you have to have. And I, I think for me, it was my quick wit um, and the intellect, of course, but definitely my quick wit. And I think that's why I never necessarily, I never experienced bullying in a certain kind of way because I, I, hmm. I was quicker. I was sharper. I was, I was rude. I was bitchy. Um, and I was in a group and I was among a group of people where that those talents were celebrated. And honestly, we constantly sharpened our claws against each other. So no one, could like do anything to us. I never, as small as I was, scrawny as I was, um, nerdy as I was with my little glasses, I never <laughs> felt. I never felt like I could be pushed around, and 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 I never gave anybody the idea that they could push me around. And then there was also we were also teachers' pets as well, so there was that kind of a protection. And of course, as I stopped doing certain subjects that I just would never be good at, like art and PE. Um, how, how I was, how I perceived myself and how others perceived me changed because then I started doing well academic, well, being at the top academically. And then I think I ended up, I ended up being student of the year in grade 11. Um, 
Mm, wow. Yeah. And then things kind of changed when I went into sixth form simply because I was no longer a part of the group of students that was traditionally seen as the the better performing ones. Because when you do the arts, um, as opposed to the sciences, you are seen as a little bit less than for some reason. Uh, yes. And that kind of spilled over in how I was treated. So I guess I started to reposition myself as an a student of the arts in sixth form. I was like, oh, okay. So you, this is how we, this is how we probably treated people who weren't in our class, and this is how people received us. And I think my most instructive year and my favorite year at Kingston College was when I was in um, six in upper six because as queer as I was by then, because by then I found my boyfriend. By then, <laughs> yeah, by then I was becoming into my own, and I was very much sassy and that person. But I had somehow been able to integrate among a group of people who saw, um, who brought out a different kind of less catty side out of me. And that was liberating in and of itself um, because then all the defenses that I had prepared, I didn't need. So I did end up, I think overall, I had a great experience um, and I never felt, I never felt like as a queer person, I was targeted. Um, but I definitely knew of queer targeting. Um, yeah. but the, the ways in which I experienced homophobia was through the experiences of people that I knew of and knew at Kingston College. Wow. Okay. Wow. I feel like overall, that's a pretty like wholesome, um, it doesn't sound like there was anything, uh, particularly, I mean, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but there was, it doesn't seem like there was anything particularly like traumatic in your experience like you seem like you 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 fared well there generally oh, speaking i did i mean i was a bad bitch still i'm a bad bitch but yeah <laughs> but that that's where i honed my bad bitchery and honestly i'm a much better person than i am now um than i was then because i had the, the best and worst of my well the worst of myself was there because as i said i sharpened my claws and i mean as i so now that i'm reconnecting some people from my high school years they let me know that I was always the one that went for blood and that kind of shapes how we kind of were kind of unable to fully come back together as a friendship group. But yeah, I think because of all of that, um, I was, I never had experiences that were so traumatic. Um, Cause yeah. nobody, anybody, who, who are going to say anything to me when we can't say back to them? Okay. Were there specific people that you thought of or specific moments where uh, teachers that were on staff were kind of like harbors that you could go to or were able to like intervene or advocate uh, for you in, in particular ways to like help uh, your kind of experience during school. Uh, the point about student of the year, I'm thinking about how intelligence or wit uh, or disorganized smartness is a way for uh, gay people coming up to kind of temper certain kinds of how do I say bullying perhaps or maybe that's exactly what exactly you say it's, who knows I don't know uh, and then a general point on the arts versus oh wait oh, go no, ahead I mean just you on that particular go, point go I do it. believe that education is an escape um, great I mean excellence in education or excellence in the arts is a great distraction or way for people to kind of escape the labels that mm-hmm. come with um, a, a certain kind of masculinity. So the kind of expressiveness or, or, or I guess, the, I don't know how to frame it, but that 
low levels of heterosexual interest or absence of heterosexual interest or heterosexual expression is explained by being nerdy or being artsy. And I think definitely it, 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 it shields us to an extent um, or at least gives us the bright people privilege that exists in Jamaica. You know, when you're, when you're the brightest person, then um, people respect you in a kind of way that they can excuse your quote-unquote proclivities. So yeah, definitely I feel like that does play a major part into how people are able to navigate um, in these kinds of institutions. Yeah. Kareem. For this sure. This is a survival story. <laughs> this is a story. Um, what was my experience at Walmart? I think a lot of it I have... I'm going to honestly say I think I've forgotten a lot of my high school experience. So, for example, when um, my group of friends gathered to reflect or to talk about what we went through or something came up, um, I struggled with recalling who certain people were. And um, I think a lot of that is because high school for me has not been... It wasn't the most pleasant. Um, And I think coming here... I tried to erase a lot of that, um, both consciously and subconsciously. So, for example, when I when I migrated to the United States, I created a whole f- a brand new Facebook account, and for a long time, I didn't add anybody from high school. Um, so I missed out on, you know, some of that gap that well, since we graduated um, until now, what accomplishments went on and so on and so forth. Anyways, I'm rambling because a lot of what I went through in high school, I think for me was had more impact on me than I had thought or care to acknowledge. And so I've like consciously tried to erase that. But from what I do remember, um, I remember a lot of, I remember um, the good stuff I remember is all tied up in the group of friends that I was able to establish there. Um, And our story will be in another episode. Um, So I won't say too much about them, but, I think a lot of my exposure to to my queerness, um, to queer life, happened through them and whatever access they allowed or afforded themselves. Um, I do remember the name calling. Um, I remember us sometimes being followed by people, being antagonized by people, um, or myself especially. But I also remember... Um, as I got older, so around fifth, especially sixth form, where I felt like I had some power as one of the prefects and so on, I remember, like, I don't know, I'm transforming of some sort, like, gaining my power back and being answer, being able to answer to um, the people who would yell stuff at me, um, derogatory terms like fag or whatever, Um I remember not being afraid of them anymore, per se. Not, I, you know, I, I wouldn't back down um, because I felt like I didn't need to anymore and because I felt like I had enough capital there in terms of... I, we were teacher's pets. I remember being a teacher's pet. Um, I loved being praised by my teachers, right? So I think we, I, I, I had some, some shelter there. I was able to also... Um, I was very active. Right. So I did a lot of drama, um, a lot of extracurricular activities. So through then I was also developing some type of capital that I could use. And then I started having other friends. Right. So other, I don't know, 
you could say allegedly straight boys that somehow became my friends as well and um and so I was able to I don't know be integrated more into that um so okay I guess for me because I mean I know some of the story through um Corey about what you guys experienced um um at the point in which he and I started communicating and became friends uh, but I guess what would be kind of useful um not for listeners is kind of hear about in terms of how that impacted you in school um did it did it affect your schoolwork or did it just affect how you felt about the space um and did it affect you feeling like you were part of the Woolmers Society, uh, the Woolmers Collective, um, both of you? Hmm. Well, Corner, do you have like a different experience that you want to share? And then perhaps we could like tackle that question because I do have Yeah, some. sure, sure. Uh, okay, let me see. So when I think about my experience at Wilmers and I think about what I got out of Wilmers, the main thing for me would be the friendships that I, like the specific core group of friends that I got out of that. Um, one of the things that we've talked about on multiple occasions is that our experiences would have been very different if we didn't have each other. And I mean, I don't, I don't want to have to think about what that would have been like. So part, I mean, at the, at the time we were coming into our identity or queerness or whatever, it was nice to know that there were other people that were dealing with the same thing. And one of the things that we found in high school was despite the kind of taunting or bullying, and I mean, they came up with some very creative ways of, uh, you know, referring to us the threat felt smaller somehow because we had numbers. So there was what, five, there was five of us, sometimes six of us, and it was a powerful thing because it was less likely for people to try to step to us in any kind of way. Uh, I remember in first form, I mean, as boys at that age are one to want to do, you know, a couple of us were being teased for, you know, acting the way that we did. And I mean, at this point, I was still like, can we get me, please, dad, let me transfer because I don't want to be here. Uh, so event, so I mean, I found this, found this about this after the fact, but it turns out my father and some, the, the parents of some other folks were called into a meeting in the principal's office. Um, also, like me and my father, whatever our relationship, that's a whole nother thing. But so I remember, you know, he told me after the meeting, you know, what was going on. He was like, oh, why didn't you tell me that people were calling you a sissy or whatever? And I was just like, I don't want to have this conversation with you. One, you should know this. And two, I've, I've been telling you that I don't want to be here. But his whole thing was, you know, regardless of where you go, you know, you're going to have to deal with this. I don't know. It's, uh, crap. Oh, out of the guys that I went to school with were excited about, you know, finally being close to the the girls, you know, they could, you know, see them from across the hall or, you know, pass them in the, the hall or, or whatever the case is. And they had, what did, I don't remember if you remember what they were called, Kareem, but these socials between some of the, the sixth form students 
And those are always really stressful because I'm like, I don't know, what am I doing here? I don't know any of you people. I'm not friends with any of you people. I don't want to participate in this excessive display of heterosexual mating practices. I don't no, know if I answered your question. All of this I feel like I didn't really answer your question. Good. I probably did. Great to hear. Um, uh, I think Karim had some uh, had some responses as well. But just to repeat, I just wanted to know how did it affect did it affect your like your education and did it affect all you whether or not you felt like you were part of the school. But I also want after you've answered that to think about institutional responses. How were teachers? How were school administrators? Did they make you feel safe? Hmm. I mean, Karim might have different feelings about this, but I don't, for the most part, we weren't in any kind of physical danger. And for the most part, we had positive relationships with the staff there. Um, and some of the staff that we had good relationships with were in, you know, different levels in terms of leadership positions. Um, I guess shelter us, advocate for us, protect us, you know, using the position that they had? I don't... So, it didn't affect my schoolwork at all. Um, I I think I was, like, consistently in the top 5% um, of my year group whenever, like, at the end of any marking, given marking period. So, I wouldn't say what I went through or what I experienced affected my schoolwork. I think that was my shield, um, in a sense. Like you said earlier, um, intelligence and quick wit were kind of how I um, kind of tempered the bullying experience. Um, it was kind of how, like Cornell mentioned, you kind of bought some type of respect for yourself because then when when you're smart, people want to hang out with you or even if they're just using you to do their homework or something and it helps, right? You kind of buy some social capital okay. with that. Um, so, so I guess before... I think I also had wonderful relationship with, with, with my teachers. Um, Go ahead. Oh, no, no. Um, you can finish that point. I just, so I guess I kind of wanted to feel like, did you, did either of you or both of you feel like you were Wilmerians and you were part of the institution? But you can finish the point about the relationship with teachers and then answer that. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, we had, I had great relationships with my teachers. Um, Some of them we still keep in contact now. Um, And, you know, in their own sense, they knew. And like Cornel said, they really tried to use their position of power to help us. But in terms of feeling like Wilmerians, I can't say I really like identify with that whole idea. Um, and I think that's kind of why I've never really made any efforts to reach out to my alumni association because I don't feel like there's a place for me there. Um, I know some people might say, oh, and that's when you, you know, if there's no seat at the table, you make a chair or whatever the um, the saying goes. But I really didn't feel like that. I think, like Corona said, my res- my positive experiences are tied up in the close circle of friends that I was able to, um, to, 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 to grow and um, develop there. So I really don't, no, I don't think I, you know, I don't see myself as a part of that community. Do I feel like a Wilmerian or connected to, to Wilmerians in a kind of strong sense? I'm, I'm still, I'm still trying to figure it out. I mean, so it's weird, right? So I am, for the past few years, I've been involved with the chapter in Canada, not so much right now, but I mean, it's, and I mean, they've been good to me in terms of, you know, I've been able to access particular kinds of 
financial support through the scholarships that they provide. But I've always felt like strange. Um, you know what? I, I, I feel like I felt in high school sometimes where I, I was, you know, I'm going to be found out and then I'm going to be this kind of outcast that they don't want um, anymore. So that's like a, that's a weird feeling. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I, I would say no, I guess. But I mean, oh, actually, so uh, I wanted to mention this earlier. So I was having my a conversation with my uh, supervisor about something a few months ago. And he said something that I did or said reminded him of Marlon James. And he was trying to figure out, I was like, oh, that's weird. That's okay, cool. And he was trying to like understand like how, or like what, what was the reason for that? And I was just like, oh, you know, we went to the same high school. So I'm also wondering how the culture of the institution shapes us in ways that might not be visible to us, but it might be possible for us to recognize, uh, you know, a Casey man on the street or a Calabar man on the street um, through these kind of like more, I don't know, invisible or ephemeral uh, cues. So maybe, yeah, in, in that sense, I am kind of like marked by Wilmers, but am I, I don't know. I have I one know. more thing to add to um, Cornell, and I hope I didn't cut you off. Go on, no. So I think another reason why I really don't have that strong sense of like belonging to the Wilmerian community is, I don't know, I honestly think I'm a bit traumatized by like the people, there's some of the encounters there. And I feel like if I go into these organizations and associations, then I'm going to encounter the same people with the same mindset. So to me, it's like, you know, they say people change, but I haven't quite caught up to that yet. And two, there are things that exist. So there's a group chat that exists with um, for our year group, right? Um, oh, girl. There's a group chat for our year group, and we're not in it. Same it's not that, and people same. have access to you. For me, to me, it's just like, well, you still clearly don't want us there, so I'm not going to force myself. And if the majority of it, the majority of the organization and alumni association looks like you and thinks like you, then what is my purpose there, right? And I'm really trying as of late to come from a more positive place as opposed to saying, what can my presence there and in these organizations do for the yeah. younger people, the, the younger ones that are going there now? Um, but I still have a, I'm still kind of, I'm still, I'm still a bit salty. I'm still a bit bitter about that. And having found this out like recently too, that the group chat exists and we've been purposefully excluded is also mm. shit like, well, damn, well, damn. And I would add to what Kareem saying, well, what Kareem just said, it's not that, not only were we, were we excluded, it was a very firm um very vocal very strong response to us the idea of us being okay. a part of this um community uh, yeah it, it was not just like oh you know we forgot them or we're not people were just people have very strong and firm opinions about mm. whether or not you know we deserve a place uh in that 
I wonder so, how they feel though, you know, <laughs> like the spirits that they tried to crush, you know, out here living and thriving, honey. Yes. <laughs> I have a podcast, so, honey. Funny you say that Todrick Hall has a new song called <laughs> Fag on his host party part two album. Y'all should listen to it if y'all have not yet. But I think that song kind of captures that kind of sentiment of, but I still made it, sis, and I'm still doing great, sis, and I'm still wonderful, sis, so feel bad about it. You know, uh, you're going to need you so definitely listen right um, no, right. i think i i mean i want to share a little as well uh, <laughs> yeah i'm gonna get into that, hear, that like, the so quick thing. but i think it's important to kind of set up that these all boys schools in jamaica they constantly have to stand up against the notion that because it's an all, all boys school it's a den of homosexuality and then the tendency, therefore, is instead of saying, mm. no, we're not a den of homosexuality, um, instead of just clocking that, what they do is they double down on homophobia um, and they treat students in a particular way. They treat queer students in a particular way because they don't want to run. They don't, they're trying to not be associated with the label. So it's almost like let's erase queerness altogether. Um just because we don't want to be labeled in a particular kind of way. And it's really unfortunate because I think about, so, I mean, y'all were the fag five of, of, um, of Woolmers, but Casey had its own version that predated me. And I, and I know a couple of them. Um, and I, and I always say they, they walk so I could run, even though I was never visibly queer in that kind of in the way that they were. Um, and there were other people who, um, who were years below me and I saw how they were treated. I mean, there was one student in particular whose name I won't say, but I think anybody who hears this story will know who it was. Um, he was a year below me and his diary was lost and they found it and they found that he was interested in men. And um, in essence, there was a mob that formed to attack him. Luckily, this, this, the, the, the school intervened or some of the staff intervened and protected him from being harmed. But long story short, he had to be, he was moved to Arden. Of, uh, you know, as you were saying, that's where you, that's the only place he can go. Um, and I met him years later and the trauma that he experienced was very much, present. He, he said as much to me that he, mm -hmm. he never recovered from that situation. And I, yeah. And I don't know what mm -hmm. these schools actually do to address the actual trauma that comes from a student being rejected in that way, being exposed to harm in that kind of way. Right. Um, and and, and I've, I mean, I've heard other stories coming out of Casey about institutional responses that were either blatantly homophobic or are, are tacitly homophobic. And, I, and even though now I hear that there are policies that says discrimination on the basis mm -hmm. of sexual orientation is not allowed, I mean, there's still a lot of concerns when, you know, people don't like the association of homosexuality or just the presence of queer people within these institutions. So to kind of add to that, um, knowing these experiences, I, I had this, I was having this conversation in, um, in prior 2018. I was having a particular conversation in prior 2018 with Dr. Andrew Campbell um, about his new book. And he was researching the invisible student in the Jamaican classroom, talking about queer students. And, Dr. ABC. Yeah. I used to joke Dr. that he ABC. was my evolved form. You know, he got the fashions. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's funny. So for those who don't know, he also went to Kingston I College. And that's something I realized. 
so so he so we were talking about his new book it was the launch and for some reason i think he was shocked by it and 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 i said to him are you because i know he's he's based in toronto right i think yeah and i said and our toronto chapter is actually a very active mm-hmm. chapter and i said to him that's the kingston college old boys association chapter and i said to him are you a part of that chapter are you right. associated with the alumni association because i'm thinking Here's this educator with all of this experience who has his PhD. Surely he has a lot to contribute. Is he associated with that? And I will always remember that his response was so, it was a knee-jerk, visceral response, like absolutely not. That, over, that was not his words, but that was the energy. And it, in that moment, and he, after that, kind of recognized that, you know, I kind of shook, shook him a bit with that question because he wasn't prepared. And so there's a lot there to unpack for himself. And... And it, it signals something in me as well that mm. there's so many of us, because there are a lot of us who went to Kingston College, a reality that they don't always like acknowledging that have trauma. Some of us don't have it directly, but we have it through what we witness and internalize as a result of that. And because of what we experience and because of those cultures of homophobia that, that develop in response to the, the labels that we're running from, people are pushed out of the alumni associations and, and pushed away from the, from the school name and the, school, the entity itself and don't feel like they can be a part of it. So similarly, I'm not a part of the, right. these WhatsApp groups that I know exist, that I know were created at a certain event that I was present mm. at. Um, yes. So, and I'm, a, I'm very much aware wow. of it because I've, I've been in contact with people who are in those groups. And so because I know there's a homophobic issue, um, within the 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 ethos of not just the institution but the old boys association, I decided that something had to be done. Some something mm. had to be done. There needs to be a step towards saying that we will no longer accept that queer people who went to Kingston College um, will not be visible and will not be recognized because at the end of the day, it was queer. Pe- they're, they're queer people who were head boys and deputy head boys and and who were part of the tracks team, the quiz team, the debate team who fill the trophies, the trophy cases, who make the school have the name that it had. And I and, I, and me personally, having been the only person at Kingston College when I was in sixth form to get a national award for my, for my Cape grades, um, I was the only one there. That, that It was my name that made Kingston College a name in that booklet. And so I shouldn't be erased because I'm just as much a part of their history as any straight member. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to do a little photo shoot. So I bought some red ass heels. I bought mm. some KC ties because the symbolism had to right. be there. And I took a few pictures and boy, mm. there was a response. Not everybody liked it. Some got it. Um, actually much more got it than I expected. And for that, I, I it was, that was, I was touched, but, but I know for a fact, because what they don't know is that I saw a lot of the responses in these WhatsApp groups that they were saying about me. And I saw a lot of the negative words. And there was one person in particular that was very angry. Um, but this is somebody I used to back and forth with a lot on social media. Um, but yes, I saw it and I was like, this is exactly why I had to do it you don't want to acknowledge our existence. You don't want uh, people to recognize that we exist. And I feel like there's a lot of healing that needs to happen. And and for me, the Fortescue shoot is a step towards that healing. Yeah. And for me, it doesn't yes. stop there because I do plan on 
being more involved in the alumni association, um, being there. And I think that matters. And I, I remember there was a couple of students in particular who came up to me and said, thank you for doing that. Thank you for being brave enough to do that. Because, and for me, if it was just one person, it would make a difference because they need to know that you can be queer and have gone to KC and be great. And that that's a possibility despite the forces that seek to erase our presence and our existence. And there's so many of us out there that if all of the queer alumni came together, we could have a rival institution that could do so much for school development, that could contribute to the heirs of the school that aren't being supported in as much as a traditional era because the arts program it doesn't get that support as like the scientist program and the sports program and those kinds mm. of things I think are critical. So for me, um, Fortress Queen is my first step into disestablishing the heteronormative and, and oftentimes homophobic narratives and attitudes that pervade those areas. And I think I have a responsibility because I'm out, because I am I'm visible and because I have the level of privilege that I have in the space that I'm now in to say, I'm queer and I went to KC. So I'm getting some things made with some symbolisms and stuff up here. Yes, I have plans. <laughs> Okay. No, so that, like that's like that's I'm listening to you speak, and that's like so inspiring. And I think that's when I like earlier when I said I'm trying to I guess view it from a more positive lens. I think that's the kind of place where I'm getting ready to go in terms of um, because as Cornell, when we found out about the group chat, I don't know. I feel like it lit a fire under me, and I was just like, oh my god these people really haven't grown and there's, and I can only imagine like what's going on now with the younger generation. Um, I, Kareem. I, I posted Cornell. Kareem, do you also want to like, Oh, talk about photos being shared in WhatsApp groups? Okay. Okay. So, so what happened, what had happened was, <laughs> what had happened was honey, um, my friends and I decided that we haven't been around each other in about 10 years, honey. So we went on a little vacation to Miami, darling. Um, we took one group photo, one group photo, and one of my good, good Judy's had posted said photo. Said photo was screenshotted. <laughs> it. Yes, honey, they screenshotted it. <laughs> and it, <laughs> it ended up in the, um, in the group chat, and oh, the and discussion were, that ensued—it's not like I baby. chose to be visible in a certain kind of way to send a message to the the other queer people in the alumni who are at the margins. Y'all were just—it was just a picture of y'all re- coming back together and having fun. Y'all didn't even say the word "woomers." Mm, right? Yeah. Like. Just a photo, a regular schmegler photo. And um it was just it was just <laughs> it was amazing just to like have everything confirmed, right? That we were one, y'all were still mad, y'all are still pressed about us, and two, you guys will never see us for more than our sexuality. And it's really like disheartening because like in that photo was like so much greatness happening. Like I'm getting my PhD. Cornell's getting his PhD. Um, Corey had already graduated and doing well for himself. Javon was out here doing his thing. Jermaine doing his thing. And all that they could vividly remember or acknowledge in that photo 
was my cunt fan, which they called an umbrella, and the fact that somehow they, I guess they felt like their suspicions are like everything was confirmed for them, and it was so sad and disheartening. I was just really upset that they took a moment of joy and turn it into something foul and dirty. And I was surprised at how, like the kind of energy that it takes to hate people that much is beyond me. I don't, I I don't understand it. But you know, uh, Mother Yancey Yance said, you know you true. that bitch when he calls all this conversation. That, that is true. Um, and whether it's <laughs> intentional or accidental, I think own that power. Because for me, as an outsider who knew of what y'all, you all went through, and I know y'all didn't touch the half of it from the conversation that we're having here, because, you know, I, we want to get the group together and have an, a separate episode. Um, seeing that meant so much to me, because me and my group of friends from high school were, re- were literally struggling to come back together. Because unlike your group where y'all created a unit because you recognized your queerness. I don't think we we acknowledged that. We just knew we were a bunch of sassy people and we were surviving together and we were with, we were just in that group on a basis of survival and we sharpened our claws against each other and said really painful things to each other. But I recognize that was our way of kind of making sure we were all strong enough to deal with if anyone even ever tried us. And so to see y'all coming together was such, it meant mm. so much to me because it was like, yes, yes, years later, the people that brought you through the storm, you're able to come back and have a great moment because queer alumni, because we are not a part of those alumni associations, we don't get those moments often. We don't get to come back and celebrate and celebrate in a way that's unique to us right. and fabulous and cunty and all that wonderful stuff we don't. And so, I, I, I mean, for me, it was powerful that y'all were able to have that. I'm glad that photo was posted. And I hope that that whatever happened in that WhatsApp group did not affect you or discourage you too much or bother you too much because that power that was expressed in that photo is eternal. And capitalize on that. Make them eat it. Go Kareem. No, I'm saying um I think I I've felt um just kind of like a stronger sense of duty as it relates to especially LGBTQ issues and especially LGBTQ issues within the Caribbean. So I started doing my own research. I came across like the Rainbow Railroad and all of that. Um I was just like I didn't care what else I posted. Um that's why I posted the other photo with me in heels that day and I think the caption was something like I heard your group chat is start for content. That was shade at them. I don't care. <laughs> what can you do? What can, who who going to check me, boo? Who, who going to check me? So I posted that, and I was just like, you know what? I posted multiple photos. I don't even normally post multiple photos. But I said, you're going to get these heel action from all angles, honey, and you're going to see it, and you're going to be mad. You're going to be bitter. Um, <laughs> but um, that was kind of my my idea of claiming my own power, and I'm hoping to be able to channel that into other things, a.k.a. why I signed on to do the podcast, um, a.k.a. why I'm trying to engage with even my um, LGBTQ community on campus so that I can um, reach out to other 
queer Caribbean folks that might be at my school. I mean, it was. Sorry, what? He muted. You can go ahead. Hello? Oh, okay, okay, okay. No, I was, I was affected by it. I mean, I was thrown off for at least a day after that. Uh, and so, I mean, I, I, I was having all sorts of feelings about doing this episode because I feel almost compelled to apologize for saying that I went to Wilmer's. Like, I don't want to bring this kind of, you know, shame to the institution by being like, hey, you know, I'm queer over here. You know, I'm sorry. Like, you don't need to to, to claim me. Um, I mean, which is part of the reason why, but, but, but that's the thing too. I, I feel like I shouldn't have to apologize for who I am to be accepted. And the other, th- so, I mean, there's a few things I want to respond to that you said actually, Glenroy, because there was a lot there. So you were talking about that one student who uh, lost his book and they found it. There was a similar situation at Woolmer's too. Uh, so, I mean, it's, inter- yeah. so, I mean, it's, it's in- interesting to think about how, um, I guess my point is that like, there are one gay people everywhere, but also, Young folks are enduring all enduring all sorts of trauma and pain for trying to figure their shit out. Right. I've had conversations with uh, you know, older queer men, and one of the things I, I you know, we, we've talked about is like a lot of queer men are emotionally stunted because we never got the opportunity to engage in the same kind of um sexual social development that straight oh, folks do right? right so yeah so i mean you know writing you know love notes in in your book or whatever are like things that other people we, we, we don't we don't get that right opportunity and for the most part we're trying to like not be put ourselves uh in danger and so by the time we end up in our 20s 30s we 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 aren't where we should be in terms yeah. but some of us we aren't where we should be in terms of how we're kind of like um, development as like full grown, full grown people. Listen, that could we could unpack that for another episode because I was just talking to my other friend the other day, and we were just like out of the blue, he just said, "Kareem, Jamaica damaged me now." And in that moment, I was just like, "You don't even understand." We were talking about the way we relate to our partners, right? Our intimate partners, right? Our boyfriends, our husbands. And I was just like, you know, that veil that we have to put on where your partner had to be disguised as your cousin not or a friend or just your brethren didn't really allow you to be as intimate as you want to be. And so now I like I have to be purposeful, right, in my relationship with my husband to remember that I'm not in Jamaica and it's okay to hold his hand in public and it's okay to be affectionate to him and it's okay to be deep and um, vulnerable to him because of that constant like reminder in Jamaica where you, you have to remember that, you're, you know, you can't say a boyfriend, this is not your partner, this is not your lover, this is your friend, this is your friend, this is your friend, this is your and friend. And therefore you don't and go out on dates, like, you don't do that slow stepping romantic milestone relationship you just do what you can in the moment which right. means you go straight to hooking up and then your relationship's rude because you can center around every other time you right. can have sex with each other right. 
Um, and you're right, Cornell, it all boils down to the fact that writing a love letter, writing notes, documenting heartfelt moments are dangerous because then you, you can be found out in high school and you go through the trauma of daring to love and have affection in high school, you know? So it's all connected. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I mean... Boy, he ended up having to be having to transfer. He had his little journal, his diary. Um, He was only in the second form or the eighth grade. And somebody went into his bag, found it. They found his, his list. Allegedly, what was written in there was his list of boys that he had crushes on, which were like boys in his ear group um, and some of the male celebrities. Um, what else? Just some other more intimate things he wrote, like a love note or something to one of the boys um, and had like addressed it to him. And when they found it, it was just this big thing. There was a whole mob of boys just like following him and he had to be like secured in the administrative building for a while. Yeah. The the other thing that you were saying too, Glenroy, about what school to do to intervene, we should also recognize that there are situations where the institution is what is it, culpable or oh, an accomplice to the kinds of violence that absolutely. students absolutely. Uh, experience? Sorry? Yeah, like we shouldn't assume that, you know, people are out here looking out, like looking after, um, or looking out for students' interest or, or well-being necessarily. Uh, oh, some people, you know, would go on this idea, well, you, you need to toughen up or yeah. you need to go yeah. pray because I mean, oh, even yeah. if you think about like, how the guidance counselors are, it's like, well, for us anyway, it was like heavily religious. And Cornel. so there wasn't any kind of... Go on. No, no I want you to finish because I have, I have something to input right there. No, I'm just like saying that the, you know, the kind of supposedly objective roles that people are asked to come into, they come in with their own biases and it it's it harms people yeah that's all i have to say i think but on i mean i do have some other stuff general, but like you can do, this might even be a yeah so like i i don't know if you remember so he used to um i don't remember his name but he was our guidance counselor at the time and he used to he was responsible for devotion a lot of the time he was a reverend and um, oh yeah i know who you're talking about. he one at one point in devotion read something from the Bible and his interpretation was that, you know, it told you the qualities and characteristics of a man. And I remember a man is supposed to look like this and talk like this and walk like this and blah, blah, blah. And that, for lack of a better word, it fucked with me for way more than I thought it ever would. And even now, at some point, it still is just like, and I think that's why I'm so like firm in people calling me he, him, his, despite the fact that I might not be presenting as completely masculine or hyper masculine in any given moment. Like, but for th- that, we'll we'll talk about that when we talk about spirituality and all of those lovely things. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. I'm done for that. Uh. And the last thing I wanted to respond to in terms of some of the stuff that Glenn was saying earlier in terms of the participation of, of queer alumni. The really sad part is, so one, they aren't aware of how many of their students um, 
are queer and successful. So, I mean, they might be, you know, interacting with people on a day-to-day basis, not knowing, and it doesn't matter to them. And I mean, that's, you know, whatever. That's people's prerogative. But they don't know what they are missing by not creating a space to allow uh, queer alumni to be a part of the the institution. I mean, so, I mean, so, so to... to, to and to reflect on the kinds of experiences that we had in terms of our academic success, logically, it would, well, I don't know if I want to use the word logically, but it would follow that we might have further kind of professional success later in life, right, as queer people. But we, the, the, the relationship that we have to the school is such that we don't want to uh, remind ourselves of negative feelings, and so we we aren't involved. And so there are people who have successful, you know, ventures in business, in medicine, in law, in the arts, who might want to contribute, who would feel, you know, good and encouraged to contribute if it was a different kind of environment and they aren't. So the school is losing out in that sense. The students are also losing out. Actually, quick side note too. So you were saying that there was an, like that there was a group of folks that preceded you. When we were at Wilmers, there was like a good group in like every in like every grade, basically. And so again, people are everywhere. Deal with it. But I'll, the one thing I'll end on is so you are likely familiar, I've I'm, i think I mentioned Marlon James earlier in, in earlier in this episode already. But oh actually well, let me just pull this up really quickly. So he wrote an article for the New York Times a few years ago. And he was talking about his uh, experience uh, at high school, which we later found out to be to be Wilmer. So I'm just gonna like read uh, a quick thing here and then go on with my point. So he says, I'd spent seven years in an all boys school, 2000 adolescents in the same khaki uniforms, striking hunting poses, stalking lunchrooms, classrooms, changing rooms, looking for boys who didn't fit in. I bought myself protection by cursing, locking my lisp behind gritted teeth, folding away my limp wrist and drawing 36 WD girls for art class. I took a copy of Penthouse to school to score cool points, but the other boys called me a bachelor boy anyway, every day, five days a week. To save my older, cooler brother, I pretended we weren't related. And in another piece, he talks about how the some of his peers called him Mary instead of Marlon. But it's funny now because when he won that award people made sure to mention in every fucking article that like, oh, he's a past student of Woolmer's. I believe he even went on a, on a visit to this school as well. And so I'm interested, in, well, not interested, but like I'm curious about the kind of hypocrisy that people engage in where, you know, they hate you, they despise you, they load you, they ignore you until such time that attaching their name uh, provides some kind of benefit. Uh, to them and I don't that irritates me to like to to no end I'm so upset about it (sighs) Mm. so there I kind of so there are two things that you said that I kind of want to kind of drill down on quickly and we've been talking for a while so I'm I'm not gonna like go on too much um, but the first one is about you know queer people contributing and feeling like they can't contribute and I think one thing to acknowledge is how some schools respond to a benevolent gay man or bisexual man or queer man trying to give back to his all-boys school 
we always have to push up against this notion of predation because yes, there are instances where there are gay men who are in these institutions and are predatory. Um, however, a lot of these schools operate on the presumption that that's what you want to do. And that also keeps people away. Mm-hmm. That also makes people not want to, to, to be a part of institutions or support institutions that they once went to. Um, because they don't, no one wants to be called a predator, right? And I, and, and I remember one instance in particular regarding Kingston College where there was someone who taught there um, and he was a damn good teacher. And there was a school administrator who was basically accusing him of being predatory, um, not in so many words, but in how she treated him, the, the way she asked um, questions of students about him. And he left the work, he left the job because of that. And that sends a message to how much we feel like we're even allowed to contribute because the minute we think, oh, let's give back to the schools, we're accused of being predators, right? So there's one. And then the next one, the because of Marlon James's point about his relation pretending not to be related to his brother, I had a very uncomfortable conversation with my brother who's now attending this school because of the Fortescue photo shoot. And I'm, as I said, I'm a bear bitch. So I don't cry a lot. I cry about very little things. But after having that conversation with my brother, I did have to cry because I basically said to my brother, and I, st- I mean, I stand by what I did because it was strategic. And I also, when I did that shoot, I didn't know he was going to go to Casey and I didn't think it would be fair for, for him to deal with the consequences of my actions. And I said to him, if you do not want people to know that I am your brother, that is completely fine, and I completely understand that. That because I'm gay, and because I'm old, and because I did, this, I took this particular picture. Um, people may tease you, people may may trouble you, and I get if you do not want to be associated with that. Mm. Um, he said, "Okay, he understood," and his relationship to me has not changed, and I am grateful of that. But I remember, after having that conversation, I t- I cried because I was like. I had to tell a 12-year-old, wow. I had to come out to that 12-year-old mm-hmm. in a certain way, but then also prepare him for something that a 12-year-old shouldn't have to deal with. Mm. But but knowing the institution that he's going to and knowing what's, what high schools are in Jamaica, it would have been remiss of me and unfair of me not to at least say, this is something that you might have to deal with if you mention that you're related to me. Because the internet works and all of them can Google. And the minute they hear my name, they'll find me, they'll find my work, and they might find the picture. Right. And um, I don't know if he wants to Somebody's going to go out of their way to reveal that to him. I hate to be negative, right. but I feel like somebody's going to... Knowing the nature of these boys' school and how word gets around and shit, somebody is going to try to make right. that a thing. And I'm already and it, a little it, saddened it, for I, him. Yeah, it hurt me that I had to do that. It hurt me that I had to put him in that kind of a situation. Um, and, and, and that all boils down to the fact that I still believe that photo shoot was necessary. Mm-hmm. And I stand by it. And I put the hell again. And I technically did when I did a second picture in, he, in a different heel. Um, and, I'm, and as I said, I'm working on some other things. But yeah, I mean, th- those things affect our relationships, even with our families. Glenroy, that is... I'm like widely crying right now for some reason. I I heard I hear it. I hear it. That is that's so upsetting. Oh no, don't cry. It is. Like it, it really is. I'm over here like trying not to cry because 
I think about the fact how I rejoiced when my brother didn't pass for Wilmer's um, because at least he'll have some distance from, and by then I was like already three years ahead of him. So I was like, you know, I'm people are already accusing me of such. So I, I kind of rejoiced. I played it off like, oh, he wouldn't be an, a nuisance to me at high school. But it was really because he wouldn't be exposed to what it is. And even afterwards, and even now, when I post things and people, he tells me how people are asking him, oh, is that your brother? Is he gay? And he has to be like, yes. I feel like somehow I forced him to have to become like an ally of some sort or, you know, to take on a fight that he probably wasn't prepared to take on just yet or something of the sort. But no, it really is. Like it's, it, it, shit, it drives you to tears. And I mean, sometimes I feel like hopeless or powerless, but then I'm glad that there's people like you out there doing the work and taking it on. Um, And I hope that there's somewhere that you can go to, to kind of unwind because it's a lot to take on, like trying to be visible and trying to, change attitudes and behavior shoot just trying to get some respect it's an exhausting thing like if you're you just walk around this constant political being and some at some point i'm like I, it, it doesn't feel like a choice anymore it feels like shit this is just my life now and i have to do it i do have systems and my relationship with my family is much better and interestingly enough um my brother did something really um so i think he created his Instagram account and he actually liked one of the pictures in the 40 screen stories and I found that hilarious. I was like, look at you. So, I mean, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and, you know, so I feel good about that. And I, and I think in the end, I feel like I made the right decision because as I said, our relationship has not changed. Um, it's the same thing. Um, and I think this is probably the perfect opportunity to kind of wind this up by, t- by each of us kind of start talking about maybe two things we'd like to say to our younger selves and by extension, young queer boys that are now going to the schools that we went to and all boys schools everywhere and high schools everywhere. What do we wish that we had um, at the time that we went there? So I'll start with you, Karim, because I'm, I'm assuming, assuming that maybe Cornell is still kind of working through the emotions. So. Should I get ourselves? Come true, goody. You can, you can do this. Yeah. Um, I think, wow, what I wish I had, I think I wish I had, I wish I had known how, um, powerful I am or I can be and how I don't have to take shit from anyone. Right. But I think I also, even though I felt like I grew and I became so much more powerful and stronger and all those other cliches, I still wish that I had somebody that I could talk to at school, an adult, a safe space, something. And I know it's hard to implement that in a society, right? It's easier over here where I'm at in the U.S. because we have laws and policies that support those kind of things. But I still wish that, you know, we had emboldened our, um, our schools or empowered our schools to cater to those queer people, those queer identified students and give them a safe space within um, that jungle. Yeah. Cornell, you there? Yeah. Um, so before I actually answer the question, I just 
I mean, for the folks who are listening, and I'm assuming at some point, some of the folks that we're talking about are going to hear that we're talking shit or whatever. And I would just say to them, I want you to imagine what it must feel like to have to apologize for, like, apologize for your existence almost because Mm. your personhood risks putting someone else in the way of danger. I want them to think about that for a second and imagine how they might feel. I also want to say that things like this have very real long-term effects on people's lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, Glenroy, you endured, obviously, but like, and I mean, with, with the different examples that we've been talking about, it makes people want to die. And some people have taken their own lives because of that kind of, you know, verbal and sometimes physical abuse. Because if it is that people are made to feel like, you know, well, what's the point if everyone hates me? Um, no one wants to be my friend. Like, like, what is the point? And so people need to take responsibility for the kind of environment that they are creating for other people, I guess, would be a kind of general point. In terms of stuff that I would have wanted or wanted to know, uh, I think I'd say this is all going to feel very small someday. And this is small. It feels big right now, but the people... You know, this place, it's actually not that serious. And there are so many bigger, better, more beautiful, exciting, adventurous, inspiring things to do out there in the world. And this is just a kind of like temporary thing. You, that, that you're going to be going through. So, and I mean, here's, here's the, I mean, the other thing, right? Like when we get to that point where we are, I, I think this kind of struggle, not that we should be asking for this kind of struggle, helps frame, better frame rather, the the good stuff, right? So I think we've been talking about, well, I guess in terms of our experience at Woolmers, it wasn't the great, the greatest thing necessarily, but we got such amazing friendships because of that kind of struggle and I don't because I mean part of the reason why we ended up becoming a group in the first place was in some ways like like how do I say this in in to some degree we we became close friends by necessity if that makes sense um and it became something beautiful and it became something great uh so I'm going to stop there before I keep rambling because we are well over time. <laughs> so I think Where what I wish for, I'm going to be very here. targeted right now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think what I wish for is principals and school administrators who aren't homophobic, mm-hmm. principals and school administrators who make effort to establish policies and programs and actively stamp out homophobia and transphobia within the schools that we go to. Principals and school administrators who do not stand idly by 
while students are being bullied. Principals and administrators who don't call another school in front of students and say, I have five homosexuals here in front of me. Can you take me? Wow. Okay. That is what I wish for. And I also wish for more teachers like Tamika Bonick, who made such a difference, even though it was never about my queerness, Mm. made such a difference to a student like me and made me feel loved and wanted. More teachers like her who take a stand, who who are there and do not allow um, derogatory behaviors in front of them and set the standard for what other students are supposed to feel like. At the end of the day, it is the responsibility of the adults in the situation to make students feel safe and comfortable and feel like they are a part of something bigger than themselves and to feel like they are worthy. So that is what I wish for. That is what I hope I had. I wish I had more of when I was in school and I wish at least now they can begin to get it right. Mm. One more if I say after that, my love. One more if I say after the whole of them. What one more uh, that's that on that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh Jesus. So I guess as so I guess as a wrap-up, because like you said, we're way over time and I don't wanna go this to go beyond 90 minutes. Yeah. So I'm just gonna say thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Um we're coming back to you in a short space of time. We have more to say to you. Um, and definitely a lot of follow-up conversations to happen here. Leave your suggestions on social media. It's at Fish Tea Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. Please listen, love, like, share, and stay sophisticated. And, st- and email us at fishtpodcast at gmail.com if you have feedback. We've been enjoying hearing the really great stuff you've had to tell us. So keep those comments coming. So having this conversation, I was very curious, right? I know it's from an all boys standpoint and, um, you know, all male high school. I'm very curious to hear about the experiences of those who went to all female high school. So the Queens, the Immaculates, the Holy Childs, and so on and so forth. I'm curious to hear about your experiences as well, as well as those who went to co-ed, um, co-ed institutions. So please email us your stories at fishteapodcast at gmail.com. Um, and if you feel like you'd like to come on and share with us, I'd love to have a, we'd love to have a part two to this discussion um, about, you know, coming of age in these educational institutions and our interactions with the alumni associations afterwards. Peace out. Thank you.